The Bulletin. The Bulletin this morning is uh, with Jamie Wall, a renowned uh, rugby writer um, and uh, pundit in this country. And uh, Jamie, welcome on, on in. Uh, All Blacks team naming, what are you, uh, we looking at here? Experience or experiment? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, good question, really, because I, I think they could go really either way on this. There's a lot of guys uh, in that mix, and you, you were talking about it um, uh, in the last half hour, just about how um, there's so many combinations available to the All Blacks at the moment. Uh, but to be honest, I, I feel like they're probably going to go with a more conservative option because to get off uh, the season to, to a winning start is, is probably the most important thing here because if they go over there, lose this game to uh, to this Argentinian team, which, let's face it, is fully capable of, of beating the All Blacks, then it's going to revert the whole narrative around this team uh, back to what it was about a year ago, which is who should be coaching it. Uh, and I don't think they can really afford um, to do that. So I think we're going to see... Maybe a little bit of experimentation in there, but not a, not an awful lot. Okay, let's uh, look at uh, some of the areas of speculation, shall we see? And they begin right at the back um, with Will Jordan not there. Um, mm. Sean Stevenson gets elevated to a possibility, but you're probably suspecting no here? Well, I'd say no, because I think I, think I heard Louis talking about it earlier, because it wouldn't make any sense. Uh, from from their point of view, if they did start Stevenson, um, he's there literally as a cover player, uh, where, where, which is why he got included in the squad in the first place. For, so for them to then elevate him into the playing squad would go back on the on the whole point of why they picked this team in in the first place. Uh, I think that what we're probably going to see is Bowden Barrett uh, at fullback uh, again. Um, or, or Damian McKenzie. I mean, that, that's the reason why Stevenson uh, was left out in the first place, you would think. So uh, I feel like it's going to be either one of those two at, at fullback. But to me, I mean, if I, if I was picking the team, Stevenson would probably be the first guy uh, I'd pick. Uh, you, you, you mentioned before about how um, it's a perfect place for him to prove that he belongs at this level. We've just had 16 weeks of him proving that he belongs at this level. He, he, he was the best player in Super Rugby, so I don't really know how much more he can do. Um, so I, 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 I'm still baffled by the whole way that, that this is going going around. If he does end up playing, I could totally see him scoring three tries and then end up being a fixture in the team uh, for the rest of the year because that is the way that this, the selection around some of these um, areas has worked in the last couple of years. If you look with the amount of talk that was around Geordie Barrett shifting into the midfield, and then he finally got a crack uh, because of injury uh, to Quinto Pyre last year. And then he's been there ever since. And he'd be one of the first names he put down on the team sheet as well. So that's the way things have been happening. So I, I, I don't think it would be too much of a stretch to see Stevenson in that, in that position as well. Rightio. Okay. Um, and in the midfield, what are we thinking in the midfield? Rico plus... Well, I, I, like I said, Geordie, Geordie and Rico would be my... Uh, number one combination at the moment, the way things the way things stand. But I mean, there's a lot of other options there as well. I mean, you've got even like Dallas McLeod's an option um, in the midfield. So, but at the moment, I think I think Geordie's done enough, and I think that also, given that it's World Cup here and that Geordie is the long range kicking option as well, uh, that makes his value a lot 
greater being on being on the field, the ability to kick goals from his own half. So that's why he's in there for me. And, and Rico, I think uh, the back end, obviously the Blues had a really disappointing end um, to the season, but I definitely saw enough out of Rico to, to see that he, with Anton Leonard Brown not being there, being suspended, that he deserves that, that starting spot uh, in the midfield. Rightio. Okay, um, before that, of course, the All Blacks 15 uh, take on uh, Japan. Any standout candidates here who we should be looking at who could force their way in for later in the year? Uh, it's an interesting one because the most talked about thing about the All Blacks 15 is the guys who aren't in it. I mean, I was engaged in a pretty decent conversation the other day about Tom Christie and, and how he, he's been left out altogether. Um, I, I, I think that any number of loose, any number of those loose forwards are in the mix. Um, you know, guys like Billy Harmon, even Peter Gustavo like, you know, the, he's only an injury away from being moved back into the All Blacks, which again is, is crazy, really, when you think about what happened um, last year. But the fact that he's back in the All Blacks 15 itself shows that he's kind of part of the plan here at the moment. Just speaking of loose forwards, so back to the All Blacks, so I reckon this weekend would be a perfect time to put Sammy Penny Finau uh, and, and give him a, some decent minutes at the, uh, at the start because really they're going to be rotating their loose forwards over the next um, uh, few games. And I feel like this would probably be, probably be the only time where they could really give him a decent shot, maybe even start him um, in that number mm. six jersey because he has been outstanding. The women, of course, um, absolutely demolished Australia last week. They made uh, real, well, I won't say idiots of them, but they, they treated them with disdain, really, with that scoreline. Uh, but what about this little venture to uh, North America, starting with Canada? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, once again, it's highlighted the big kind of plot hole uh, when everyone's talking about how women's rugby's treated in this part of the world and New Zealand rugby's failings in that area is that really New Zealand rugby has no control over the way other countries run women's rugby as well. And until uh, Rugby Australia can get a viable product out of the Wallaroos, this is always going to happen. You mentioned like, how bad the scoreline was. It's not going to get any better until that competition, that player base over there, uh, becomes f- bigger and more sustainable and more and therefore more competitive. It's the same story with the US and Canada up there. I think Canada will put up a better, better fight um, this game. They just seem to be better players and from what we saw from their showing at the World Cup last year that they'll, they'll be more of a challenge. But the US don't seem to have, uh, don't seem to be any better than Australia either. So, I mean, the one good thing is that it's, it gives us a clear run into this World 15 competition uh, at the end of the year in November, which is going to be held here in, in New Zealand, where, in which we'll get England back down here. And then it'll give the Black Ferns uh, a very meaningful game that everyone can look forward to and hopefully draw a big crowd like they did last year at the World Cup. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me when you, you look at the development of women's rugby in Australia because uh, they have a very viable competitor in uh, the women's NRL uh, which is attracting players from this side of the Tasman. You, you wonder what kind of future women's rugby has when they've got a professional competition like that uh, and, and athletes who are capable of playing both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can look at it at one of one of two ways, that they're both competing against each other or the other way that they can complement one another and that, that if you have at least one proper professional competition in the NRLW that a lot of these players are striving for, that, you know, 
you're not going to have as many players making it as as spots are available, and so a lot of them will drift off and perhaps play rugby union, perhaps play play sevens. So I think on the whole, it's a good thing, and also just from the from a New Zealand perspective as well, it it gives all of those players. We've seen it. We're seeing a lot of players sign over there to play in the NRLW. It gives them an extra three four months of being a professional footballer, uh, and in the, in the year, I don't think New Zealand rugby are too uh, disheartened by by this because they're going to come back and play Super Rugby. The NRLW is not a year long competition; they're only contracted for sort of four year, four months at a time, and they can they can potentially do both. Uh, and so, for someone else to be paying them, um, training them, uh, making them better athletes, I don't think NZ Rugby are particularly worried about that. Not at this stage, anyway. Okay, right. Um, speaking of. Uh, the NRL, um, as opposed to the women's NRL, uh, a players' media boycott. What does this mean, and um, is it an issue? <laughs> I hope not, because um, I'm going to be out of work <laughs> if um, this, this does <laughs> actually. If they do what they what they're going to be doing, um, we were at the Warriors yesterday, and uh, it looks like we just made it in before the cutoff happened. Um, I, I think it has to be noted that this was bandied about earlier this year. It was, it was before the season started around about the um, the uh, All-Stars game that happened in Rotorua. And it was very confusing as to what they were and weren't allowed to do. This seems like they're trying to have six or one and half a dozen or another as well by saying that they can talk to media on Mondays and Tuesdays but not on game days. Um, I, I think it's just a, a bit of a uh, nuclear option by the RLPA uh, in the lead up to Origin, because obviously there's going to be, you know, Origin is the biggest event in, in the calendar uh, for the NRL, um, and so for media to be shut out of that would be quite a big deal. I'm hoping it doesn't uh, actually get to the point where we're not going to uh, see any um, rugby league uh, getting uh, uh, in the in the media. Uh, however, I, I mean. I, I wasn't even aware that the CBA thing was still going on, so hopefully they can get it sorted because uh, one of the big things about uh, the NRL is the player access that you get. Um, the Warriors are pretty good. You know, you get you get the captain, the coach at press conferences afterwards in pretty prompt time, and then you can go over to a mix zone and pretty much grab any player you like. So I think that uh, if they were to withhold that, um, and go down the road of what you get with the All Blacks or with Super Rugby. It's gonna they're going to be causing some real issues uh, in the way that their relationships are with the media. And you you can see just how strong that's been. The narrative of, of how important the NRL is to people, how well the Warriors are doing, um, because I think the Warriors will suffer quite quite a great deal as well if this is enforced. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, and we are you know we've got a very close relationship with them ourselves. Uh, and of course, uh, when it comes to game day, they're talking to a lot of their heroes, uh, the Johnses, and uh, you know, uh, you know those those kind of people who are actually interviewing them. So that'll be interesting to see how that that plays out uh, um, <clears throat> politically, in, in particular. Jamie, uh, thank you very much uh, for your um, your summation of uh, what's coming up this weekend. Really look forward to that All Black naming. Have a terrific weekend, man. Thank you. No worries, Smithy. Have a good weekend. Man. Yeah, cheers. Uh, 10.52 here on SCNZ. Come back, we'll have a multi and a few texts to read out.